0: Big safety podcast with Vance and Bart. It's a when there's no comfort fitting in a fake safety and no one believes it.
1: So
2: Yep.
1: We're live here (laughs) in the most rebellious age we've ever been in. We have uprisings left and right. We have an insurrection (laughs) that happened in January in the United States of these Americas. And then we currently have an insurrection happening in Cuba.
2: Correct. Across the land bridge.
1: Against the dictatorship, yes? See. Okay.
2: The communist dictatorship. I mean, they still own the means of production for almost everything there. They have lightened it up a little bit. Like, you can own a restaurant in Cuba now. The state doesn't own them, them all. They own a lot of them, but, but they have to get their food from the state central thing. So like everything still tastes the same. It's just, you tend to get better service at the privately owned restaurants. So it's not, I guess it's not totally
3: communist there. Well. (laughs) They've lightened it up a little bit. I'm
2: saying what it used to be
1: how do they actually identify because we know them as a uh, I believe socialist dictatorship but I'm curious about if they recognize like what do they recognize their leader as
2: yeah I mean he was unapologetically well I guess I don't know their leader now but you know originally it, it was unapologetically I'm a Marxist you know but
3: like, right, but when
1: when you and and I I, I think there's because there's there's a there's Miguel and Manuel like there there there's uh, you know a handful I think it's that they spread yeah. it across a handful of folks yeah power wise but they're all sort of heading in the same direction right like there's the president and there's the prime minister um and then there's some other thing that I believe is a president. Uh, I want to say his name's Esteban something, but um, mm-hmm. I, I guess that's just sort of my my big question is, do they identify as a dictatorship knowing that they have a group of folks in charge who act as dictators or is that how we
3: classify them? I legitimately don't know the answer to that question. I don't either. Um, but.
1: Like, I know they identify as socialist, and some are, you know, and and they'll say, oh, we're a Marxist, Leninist, whatever. In the same way that, like, in the US, right? Like, we have some schools of thought who say, well, we are a democracy. And then some folks will say, well, not a pure democracy because we're a republic, right? But at no point would we say that we're in a dictatorship unless we hate the leader. Right, so the people who use the word insurrection to describe the January sixth event, um, they would call Trump a dictator,
3: but they they still wouldn't identify as living in a country under a
2: dictatorship, right? Yeah, I guess so. I mean,
1: I, I guess that's the kind of nuance of what I'm I'm getting at here. Is I got you.
2: Well, then I would say that they probably call themselves what they were originally, a Marxist, communist dictatorship. Because, I mean, we still think we're a republic and uh, democratically elected republic. You know, we still would say that about us. But me and and a lot of people in this country don't believe that Joe Biden suddenly got more votes than any other person ever been voted for in the history of voting for somebody, you know? <laughs> um, so at that point, who's electing the president? Uh, it, obviously, you're not. If that's true, which I believe it is, and. It's not Democratic, nor is it a Republic. So,
1: Well, the the people who call it a Republic are not the ones who would have voted him in, right? Like, the people who would (laughs) call it a Republic are the ones who are, I would say, likely carrying a pocket Constitution around with them.
2: Yeah. Yeah, probably, but still, I mean, even if he would have if Trump would have won, we weren't, you know, the, the federal government had, had long since taken over as the more powerful government as opposed to each state being more powerful than the central, the central was only really in agreement between the states. That was what the Republic was supposed to be. Uh, It's just an agreement to, you know live by these rules and if anybody broke them then we could just bail but i mean we tried places tried to bail before not just with the S- civil war but other times in history states tried to bail and they were forced to not so uh, the republic thing kind of went out the window a long time ago
1: well, I mean, Cuba was, <clears throat> Cuba was a republic, right? I mean, until uh, the revolution, right? So and up until the 50s, Cuba would have been recognized.
2: They, I guess they would have called themselves one, with, whether they actually acted like a republic or not. Those are two different things, right? Because we call ourselves a democratic republic here, but we're not. So i would think just whatever tradition says that you are is probably what you call your country
1: right you you can't be you you can't be a republic if you're basically just a country that was orphaned by spain and adopted by the united states <laughs> I declare independence. (laughs) That's an office joke for those of you who uh, are following along at home. You can't just, you can't just, or you can, but either, either way, the core of, I think what we're talking about here is that, that rebellion, what is the insurrection? What is the, Revolution, what are you rebelling against? And there they're rebelling against, I would guess, the power of the state, the dictatorship. Uh, the group here that we called the insurrection were rebelling against the swamp, I guess, is what they would call it. Yeah. Um, and then the people who are rebelling against the system... I'm not sure which system they're rebelling against.
2: Yeah, so we had what? We've had some rebellious um, groups or events in my history. We had Occupy Wall Street. Uh, That was pretty rebellious. Um, Tea Party. The early days of it were pretty rebellious. Um,
1: And not to go too far out of chronological order, but we have wall street bets now which is almost a modern day equivalent of occupy wall street which feels strange because i feel like occupy wall street is modern but it was what some some decade ago Mm -hmm. because i do remember those wall street occupy wall street protesters blocking my bus so i couldn't get to work (laughs) Uh, so all the bankers still made money but i did not (laughs) i was like i've got tables to wait (laughs)
3: Yeah, it was a
2: it's a different time, but yeah. So uh,
1: we have we have a modern rebel in the form of the uh, the GameStop traders and the people fighting against the short sellers and the hedge funds, right? Yeah, and
2: then we got other people who call themselves rebels fighting against. I mean, if you went to that what, what, that Gretchen girl who spoke it. In front of the UN uh, about climate change, I, I imagine she felt like she was a rebel, but she was. Oh, uh,
1: Greta, you mean?
2: Yeah, Greta. Did I say something else?
1: I, I think I think you said gretchen but I, I'm not even a hundred percent that it's
2: one of those two. But um, you know, all the climate change people think they're rebels. The the they're fighting against something that I don't know where it exists, but
3: yeah. What is
1: the straw man? What, what are they rebelling against? Would you say?
2: Well, at this point, it seems like it's just the, the, the right really, like, anything the right says, they just use it. Climate change is involved in something. It's... it's um, That's what it seems like to me. Because uh, there is no... There's no desire to fix... Like, if you take the what they say is happening as the
3: gospel, there's no desire to fix that. So...
2: It's not about the climate change. It just seems like it's just about the right in general.
3: Don't you think there is a
1: desire to fix that, though? Right, We're talking about passing legislation for green energy and renewable
2: materials. By their own metrics, they say that this won't change anything.
1: But it starts with one, as Linkin Park would say. You uh, you can do your small part,
2: and then... Well, we okay. have 12 years, and we're all dead. I mean... That is what I read in the 80s. Well, I mean, that's what they were saying not that long ago, too. So, like, we're all going to freeze to death in the 80s because we used haquanet, and then now we're all going to burn up because, you know, they put the heat sensors underneath lamps and shit <laughs> like next to air conditioning units. <laughs> Whatever.
1: I liken it to the news cycle around foods that cause cancer, yeah. right? Where, you know, all of a sudden this week tomatoes cause cancer. I mm-hmm. think it's more, uh, more like, cancer happens and cancer will happen if you live long enough. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I I won't go too deep into the whole like length of telomeres thing because mm-hmm. that's another podcast we should be on. But, uh, thus you could get cancer by doing any activity. And in the same way, I think, the, the The climate science probably has some similar problems around there being no real control in terms of, and when I say control, I mean a control within an experiment, right? Mm-hmm. We're guessing mm-hmm. for the most part. and and I, I will say that there's it, it's not that I'm against climate science. It is that I am against believing you have any idea how to read the data from climate science Mm -hmm. because correlation does not equal causation.
2: Right. And, of course, all the climate science is funded by think tanks designed to get more funding for this corporation or that corporation.
1: But is that the corporation they're rebelling against? Because if they're falling in line with the same party line as the corporation, I still don't know what system you're rebelling against.
2: Yeah, I don't I don't see that there is one. I I think it's more of a feeling. It's it's the trick, it's the propaganda trick of of appealing to that side of you. Getting an emotional response out of you over it, and then letting you. You can throw a lot of false information, maybe sprinkle some good stuff in there, but you know, saying this, and then say, then get false information saying that that counteracts what you believe over here to make you mad to reinforce that emotional response. So, therefore. You're so emotionally invested in it, you don't even realize that you are now working for the people
3: who you originally believed were evil.
0: <clears throat> so
2: it's a sales tactic, propaganda tactic, whatever, and it works.
3: Look at it. Look at us. I mean, I, I bet if I went to a family event
2: to tomorrow and started talking about Trash Island, there would be 100 people there talking about it, whether they believed it was an issue or not. I bet most of them would believe it exists.
1: Is Trash uh, Island a reality show that I haven't heard about? <laughs>
2: I don't know, but if it did exist, why wouldn't us libertarians go live there? I mean, and make it our Encapistan. I mean, it's already a floating island. Let's put some plywood on top of that thing and build us a a seastead. But unfortunately, it doesn't exist, so we can't do that. It's not there.
1: Actually, see, okay. I think I'm following where you're going. So the (coughs) trash island is usually just photos a day or so after a tsunami and trash pulled in from a society, which means we should spray Aquanet into the air to make more tsunamis so that they're ongoing. That creates a trash island for us to have a seastead. Did I connect the dots correctly?
3: (laughs) Aquanet cool off yeah yeah i think so
1: aquanet tsunami seastead
3: hurricane no hurricanes. so if you yes that would work you wouldn't want more aquanet right
2: because hurricanes are caused by the cold at our poles and the hot at the like the difference the bigger the difference is in temperature at our equator to our poles, the more likely a hurricane is to, to come about. Therefore, the global warming creating hurricanes thing does not work. But
3: because we have what we are in an ice age at,
2: currently in the Earth's cycle, we are currently right. in an ice age. Um, we have these poles that are have ice caps and are cold. So what we need to do is cool off our equator. So you're right. We just make sure that when we spray the Aquanet, we only do it near the equator.
1: But if we're in an ice age now.
2: <clears throat> we are.
1: Okay. Wouldn't that mean we need to warm up the equator to balance against that? cold front coming from the poles
2: well no because if we warm up the equator then the difference is going to be
3: great therefore we'll have more hurricanes and tsunamis I think tsunamis aren't caused by hurricanes
1: (laughs) well well, a hurricane is just a tornado with water right Uh. Can you still get a trash (laughs) island from a hurricane? I
2: feel like you can. I think um, earthquakes cause tsunamis, typically.
1: But not Trash Island directly. It causes a tsunami, which causes Trash Island. Right. So tectonic plate shift is what we're banking on here.
2: Right. And we all know we get those by gay people sleeping together in California. You hear that gaze? (laughs) You could save the world. Do what you got to (laughs) do. Just do it, man.
1: (laughs) I should go down to the Castro and start handing out flyers. Just really confusing flyers about how to save the world.
2: I think that the reason why people are so quick to believe something on whatever other side you decide to fall onto, it's because they're fed so much bullshit like that. Like that's how our news cycle works. What you, what we just said, is how our news cycle works. It'll say some ridiculous shit, sprinkle in a little bit of truth, and then on this side, it'll say some ridiculous shit, sprinkle in just a tiny bit of truth, something to hold on to. And then the same side will say something completely contradictory to that the next day. But your mind has to start because you've picked sides, you're emotionally invested. You have to start figuring out ways to be okay with these contradictions in your head. And then you get so used to that, that you just start instead of fighting that in your brain, anymore you've picked this side you just stop fighting it and you say whatever they say
3: today is is my team because it is so it's mind-numbing it's it can
2: it can bring me down on some of the best days if i hear the wrong thing and I could see how it would just be easier for most people to be like, all right, I've picked this team. Okay. This is <laughs> whatever they said. And then, you know, you they get you focused. If you're listening to CNN, you get focused on something ridiculous that somebody on Fox said. So you're not even looking at the ridiculous shit that your team said. You're just saying, Oh, could you believe these idiots believe this? And then they're doing the same thing on Fox.
3: Meanwhile, you're both believing in this ridiculous shit.
2: (laughs) The state's getting more powerful. Corporate corporations that don't have your best interest at heart or getting more powerful. And the, and then they find then some rich billionaire who does tons of evil shit does one thing good for the world. And the leftists that are still anti-corporate jump onto that instead of all the evil shit that corporations have been doing and be like, Oh, this is reasonable. Billionaires are going into space. This is why they should be taxed more. Uh, Oh, because a billionaire actually advanced society a little bit
3: with his own money. We're gonna—that's the reason why, like the
2: the war machine and all that. That's not the reason, you know. (laughs) Like, but we went to space for civilian reasons
3: and made it cheaper. That's why billionaires should be taxed. Is it because we're worried about them
1: damaging the ozone layer in the same way as Aquanet? If they like,
2: there's already a hole. Where how do you think they're getting out? That's true. That's true. I mean, and we all know that the the airlock code is one, two, three, four, five.
1: It's like the code from an idiot's luggage.
2: <laughs> it's mega-made, sir. She's gone from suck to
3: blow. <laughs> so maybe we're the idiots then,
1: right? Because that narrative, that propaganda is clearly working. So maybe the state is smarter than we are. Maybe it knows what's best for us because it's way better at marketing its material than we are.
3: Yeah, I guess it is. I mean,
2: it's got all of our money. <laughs> so, like, I don't have any of the state's money, <laughs> it no.
1: has quite a bit of mine.
2: Right. So, I mean, we are coming from a deficit there. If you had an unlimited propaganda budget, you could probably <laughs> do a little better.
1: But isn't that the narrative around all of these uh, pirates, right? Is that the cryptocurrency is just printing your own money the same way the Fed does?
2: Yeah, I guess. I don't know. I mean, who cares? <laughs> I mean, if I've got to have printed money... I'd rather have it from somebody I trust than somebody I don't. I mean, I don't trust the feds at at all. So I don't want theirs. (laughs) I don't know. I just... If crypto is just as bad as the, the state money, then crypto's got a lot of catching up to do because... They're not killing people in Yemen with it. They're they're not creating genocides. They're not wars going on as long as it, like 30 years. I mean, being funded with it. So hurry up, Bitcoin. Let's get to killing some people.
1: Well, isn't the story though that, that Bitcoin is already happening in the underworld? So maybe it is already transacting for that sort of thing
0: Mm,
3: i
2: guess i mean i think that that's the that's more the narrative that they like to say because it's not doing that it's actually people are using it to hide their money from the state money that does go to killing people and they're not getting as much of it and they're not able to control it as much so I think that's more the problem. Whether there are some bad actors using it for funding bad things and not, it didn't it didn't really matter to me because it's not the gun that kills the person. it's the person that kills the person. Um, I just know that if the bad guy also controls this money like every aspect of this money that's not the money that i want to have Yeah, like I,
3: I want them to have to work to manipulate it you know so what centralized currency in the world today are we rebelling against? Is it the U.S. dollar? Uh, I would say it would be the euro and the U.S.
2: dollar because they're connected. Like our central bank and their central bank are
3: sisters. Uh, So they work together. It was an Anglo idea
2: we were like the little sister of their central bank and we've worked in tandem that way ever since so
3: it would be those two i mean
1: but i think it's it's more a conglomerate right in the same way as the dictatorship in cuba yeah you can spread it around among you know, first secretary, prime minister, et cetera, et cetera. But the U.S. dollar, the euro, the pound, a handful of yen. Yeah, They're they're all this centralized currency that's run by these states that all have the handshake. Right. So when we're rebelling against a currency, it's. More we're rebelling against a type of currency, which is not any one single currency.
2: Yes, a state-sponsored fiat currency of, of any kind. I wouldn't want my money in any of those. Um, but unfortunately, we're forced to deal in them more than I'd want to, but...
0: Uh,
2: You know, we're making, we're making moves. I I like the, the Bitcoin thing. I like the crypto thing, but I'm not anybody who sits here and says that that's going to be the answer, but I like that. It's a thorn, Uh, whether it's a bigger, that's got poison on the thorn or not. I mean, I hope it does. I hope that it's, it's a fiat currency a state funded sponsored fiat currency killer. But if it's just a thorn that annoys
3: that I'm still for that, I still like that too. Um, so,
2: uh, you know, crypto is one thing that I like, but it, I like it because it bothers them. And that's a simple fact. I I like it because they haven't figured it out yet. And it bothers them.
1: I think that's a valid question then. The the idea of rebellion for the sake of rebellion, right? Mm -hmm. How do we make sure that we don't rebel in the same way as these misguided individuals who think they're rebelling against the system when in fact they're just towing the party line of corporate democracy.
2: I think you have to well it's a hard thing to answer for people who live the way that they live because it's very easy for me and you because we can look at any situation like, like that or what the news says and we can say All right, apply my principles to that. Oh, well, shit. You know, when you start going through the thought process of it, you apply your principles, you're like, oh, shit, I can't do that. And it just keeps you away from things like that. Uh, And then now you're just, then you start arguing about the way you want to live. You know, oh, yeah, I don't want to live like those people live. I want to live, I think that, I do better for the things that
3: I feel are important to live this way and you don't get caught up in all that shit that makes you look like an idiot.
2: when you step back and look at what you're really advocating for. Um, So being grounded in, I, I think that, Having an economics, like some sort of foundation in economics, is important um, to not be manipulated, and also just remembering your principles. So I, I do recommend reading something, uh, whether it's—I I don't say everybody should read *Human Action*, or I mean that's—it's that's a lot, <laughs> but economics in one lesson that's very short and very to the point and if it you can absorb that book which it's not that hard to absorb by the time you're done with that 90 percent of people don't know as much about economics as you do when you're done with that one fucking book so i think that that's important and then you and then you've got our principles and then at that point all that stuff is It can be, it can hit you. It can, you can still get an emotional response from something that's said by the, the propaganda machine, but you and I can get that response, get mad and then step back and say, if we look at it with it through an economics lens, a lot of times we can just figure out, Oh, that's not even that. That's not that's a false statement or whatever. And then say that that doesn't do that. uh, It still seems plausible or whatever. Then we look at it through our principles and we say, you know, either this is something that you could do and not violate your principle or something that you really couldn't mess with this without violating your principles. and uh, those two things those two lenses you can
3: look through it through um i mean there's really nothing that
2: your, you know your ci-owned news networks tell me is the right thing to do that really passes either of those tests nowadays so
1: and i think that's what i'm looking for right is that We are getting so caught up in rebelling, and I just want to, I think, make note of the fact that even a broken clock is right twice a day. So the idea that rebellion for the sake of rebellion may also be dangerous in that if we just assume that anything Fox News tells us to do or CNN tells us to do is wrong, it may also be dangerous for us because we're not actually checking that through those lenses you're talking about. Because mm-hmm. it's it's really difficult to parse our day-to-day through those sorts of things. And that's why I would recommend just staying away from that media as best you can. But it, it has to be exhausting to try and rebel against all of that while still putting that through your own ability to measure if that goes against your principles or not.
2: It, it does. It is, it gets easier. I must say the more, the more I read, the more I research, the more I learn about the techniques used in propaganda, things like that. It's like, a a filter before I have to get there. So a lot of things I can just weed out because, Oh, I know that that's typical propaganda method. So I'm not even going to entertain that. And then things that do strike my intellectual juices or whatever, get them flowing. I, then I start going through those two main filters and
3: it's less exhausting now, but it does it. You're right. It's everyday life can
2: get exhausting, especially at first going through that, um, through those filters, but you'll, you'll get better at it and you won't need, it won't take you as long to do your little step-by-step thought experiment with, whatever you're being presented because even if you don't learn all the propaganda things you don't you're not fascinated with learning that when you do these thought experiments with whatever's been presented to you through your economic and principled lenses there'll be similarities that you'll you'll mentally chalk, you know make a little note in the back of your head. And then the next time you're presented something, you might, it might be something that you, you go, you're like, Oh, well, this is going to have the same result as that other thing. And it doesn't take you as long. So it gets easier guys.
1: Conversely though, I think there is a real fear of taking too many shortcuts. Uh, around doing a template for certain things around certain sources, right? If, if Kaiser Permanente tells me that I should be consuming more broccoli in some ad campaign, uh-huh. it's unsafe for me to have saved a template of big pharma's always wrong. I should rebel against what they're saying and say, big pharma's not going to tell me to eat my greens. Right? Right. So I think that's a word of caution worth talking about as well, is that rebelling for the sake of rebellion is one thing, but even rebelling based on your history and even rebelling based on historical data, you still have to run things through those filters because sometimes those shortcuts can get you in trouble.
3: Yeah,
2: they they could, they can, uh, but we always have to, we have to wear shortcuts. We have to use shortcuts. So we're going to sit there and analyze every, every little thing. We have to come up with a trusted method of, of, of the, the, the division of labor. Uh, you can't do it all yourself. You it's, this isn't a DIY world as much as I love DIY shit, you know? Um, so you have to take calculated risks uh, with the people you can trust to bring you some information like this podcast. You can listen to it and you verify or not, or whatever, whatever you, want to do, how much you want to trust us, but you can't
3: do it all. So live by the principle, don't hurt other people.
0: (laughs)
2: Okay? And then if you can get that down, like you don't have to rebel. That in itself is rebelling against the state. That is not what they want you to do. So and then you can get you can get more involved from there. But you know, just there, there's all kinds of ways that you can rebel safely, where you know you're doing it for you. Uh, encryption software on your phone and on your computer. state doesn't like that. That's you're protecting yourself. You're not doing anything that you're not doing right now. I'm not telling you to start doing illegal stuff after you do it. I'm saying just get it and annoy the state. It's a great way to rebel. You don't have to believe in these corporate things that are, they're designed to make you get emotional about them. And a lot of them don't exist. It's not a problem that exists in the way that they're presenting it. They're presenting it that way so they can make money off of you. So make sure that you're rebelling for you, for a cause that you believe in, not for a cause you were told to believe in. Because that cause might not even exist. It might be an island. (laughs) Yeah, it might. Made of trash um, the the fellow from Greenpeace that I was listening to, um, he mentioned that he had proposed that one of these windmill places make a windmill, like one mill off of just using renewable energy, solar and wind or whatever. And of course, nobody's ever taken him up on it, but like the idea of being that he doesn't believe and many people don't believe that it could even be done. They have to use fossil fuel energy to even get one of those built and up or whatever.
1: You mean to make a windmill? Yeah. You're saying... His proposal was to create a windmill from yeah. nothing but renewable energy,
2: right? And not just wind energy, but like all renewable energy sources. Yeah,
1: solar seems promising. Yeah,
2: you got to think about getting it there, the machinery to
3: set it up. Uh, all of that stuff, every process, like even just like getting
2: the the raw materials to form the
3: pieces and whatnot. I think he's right. I don't think we're there. I don't think we could do that. <clears throat> but he's,
2: you know, he made a good point too. It's like, if we're really going to die in 12 years because of fossil fuels being bur- burned, then at this point, don't you think we're beyond being worried about like nuclear waste? Any time to start building nuclear plants?
1: <laughs> Shouldn't we be eating a lot more cake? <laughs> right.
2: <laughs> good
3: point. Yeah. And what's the point in raising kids? Is it a narrative put out by people who want to have
1: their kids live in a less populated world because
3: they know that people are going to be so afraid to have children? I don't know. I think Western society in its own kind of does that. Is is As places get more technologically advanced and
2: there less competition for food and resources, we tend to have less children anyway, just naturally. We don't have that. I guess there's something wired in us where if we think that we're not gonna be able to take care of ourselves when we're old, we wanna have a bunch of kids so we're not burdening just two, you know, with with taking care of us when we're old so we have like 12 so they can split that responsibility up it's not so much of a burden but as we get more advanced and we realize oh, we can take care of ourselves up until our death day we don't really have that desire anymore so we have less children and our children survive to full to
3: adulthood because they're not starving and dying of covid and all that other stuff given that you could certainly survive until
1: your death day which is one of my favorite phrases you've ever used (laughs) do you feel compelled to have fewer children
2: um All right. I I guess that depends on when you're talking to Vance because Vance, six years ago, seven years ago, Vance, seven years ago, wasn't going to have any kids at all. Like, I was going to, I wasn't going to have a wife or kids eh, to my death day. Like, I was going to be like my uncle who, he just has been a bachelor his whole life, you know, and he likes the ladies, but he doesn't like them to live with him, you know?
3: <laughs> so, um, I thought that's who I was. I had, but I have, I have two kids. I have, but I don't have 12.
2: If I thought that I was going to be a burden on the two. I think I, I probably have more. If I thought that that would make their life easier later in life, but I don't think that I'm going to be a burden on the two. I don't think they're going to really have to spread out a burden. I think I'll. I might even be able to leave them with something that they're better off, you know. <clears throat> so,
1: and that's what I'm kind of getting at from an economics perspective if you have more children mm-hmm. isn't that isn't that a, a higher cost of raising those children to adulthood for you thus ensuring that you don't have the resources to last and get you through to your death day
2: yeah i mean it will it does when you're talking about like an economy like we have today, but when you're talking about the economies that are less advanced, that there are things that like things like a bad crop can kill people, or things that you can't control, like uh if you live in a third world country where the you you don't have any power over the winter because you're you're in Cuba. But if some reason it's freakishly cold because we're in an ice age and you freeze to death right? Uh, or some of your kids freeze to death, Like there's all those factors that they were dealing with. They're they're dealing with that are different than the factors that we deal with because they they were never people in the, that situation are never they're not saving for a retirement. They're just getting by the next year, right? So and then they get by again. They get through to tomorrow. It's not you they're never saving. they're just getting by. And in those kind of the the mind works when you're just getting by, like, oh, let's have more kids because they're just gonna get by. And we don't want to take that much from each one of those. There's never There was never a thought that they're going to save to have a retirement or anything like that. But today we have a society where we do think about things like that. So we do have less kids because we do have the option of saving to where we're not a burden at all on our children.
3: In fact, we might leave them with something. It's a whole different mindset and it we end up having less children because of it or no children at all like but, there might not even be a
1: kuba gooding the <laughs> third there could not be
3: <laughs> but now i've had children so i'm happy i have them
2: i i don't want anybody to think that like just because I wasn't planning on having children doesn't mean that that was going to be the best thing for me. So, uh, I recommend it,
3: but I guess if you're not the right person for children, then don't go forcing yourself to do it. But
1: wait a uh, second. I see what this is. This is propaganda. (laughs) <laughs> you can't tell me what to do <laughs> i'm gonna have some kids
0: it's a clap, and there's no